Support for this podcast comes from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary and their Doctor of Ministry program. The Risking Faithfully Disruption is Revelation and Resurrection Doctor of Ministry cohort at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary is more than a degree program. Together, this cohort will form fugitive space, welcoming radical reimagination of church and world. Offered in partnership with the Ministry Collaborative, this cohort begins in February 2021. Financial aid and scholarships are available for those who qualify. Visit www.pts.edu slash D-M-I-N. Welcome to AIJ Cast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthame Sanders. On this episode, part one of our conversation with Dominique Britton and Mike Bielenberg. Dominique is a musician and a model, and Mike is a musician and a software engineer, and they spoke to us from their home here in Atlanta. Dominique Britton, Mike Bielenberg, welcome to AIJ Cast. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Thanks, Marthame. So the way that we got connected was through a collaborative project that Dom, you and I were working on together with Rachel Elnor, an illustrator and Elia photographer. So I would love to start with that just to kind of ground our conversation and our relationship. Let's talk about how you got involved in the project and then how we got connected together. So Mike and I moved here to Old Fourth Ward at the beginning of the year and we're looking on a map to see what's around, and we discover Ursula Weedman Models and Talent. And Mike said, hey, you should try to get back into modeling. Why don't you give them a shout out? So I did, they signed me immediately, and I started testing, and Ely was one of the first photographers they recommended I test with. So off we go to Arabia Mountain, and Rachel is there. I really didn't have any idea what was happening. I had just heard that it was some kind of a collaborative effort. And here's Rachel with her cue cards and she's drawing. We're walking into the woods. It's, it's very spontaneous. Yeah. I had no idea. I just knew that I was a nymph in the woods and I was in my element and I was being creative with people that I just adored. They're just yeah. adorable women, by the way, very gifted. Yes. So fast forward about two or three months later, I receive an email with a PDF of all of the final illustrations and the storyboard. And I just started crying. Mm. I was so overwhelmed. That was one of the most beautiful days of my life. And here was the outcome. It had everything to do with spirituality, Christianity, you know, love, compassion, individuality. It just spoke to all these things inside of me that I feel like as a woman, I struggle with daily, but I'm Mm. so connected to wanting to better myself with all of those things. And so it just all came together in this way that it was very emotional for me. So then I learned about them having had collaborated with you and AIJ cast. So the next thing I know, uh, there was a suggestion for us to use some of our music and Mm -hmm. to collaborate with you as we learned that you were a musician and, um, the things that you did with our music. Super cool. Wow, just, Very un- cool. I, I had no idea. I knew in my heart, just from the integrity that you have, that you were probably a very gifted musician and I had heard some of your stuff and I was really impressed. But when I heard what you did with what 
we created, mm -hmm. it just, again, it was overwhelming. I cried. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how do I get to be this artist and work mm. with such amazing people and just, it was unexpected. I just was totally open. I lifted up to God and the outcome was just nothing like I expected. Yeah. So this is one of the proudest moments of my life having done this project with you and Ely and Rachel. I just have to say, thank you, God, for that oh, opportunity. Incredible. And it was, you know, just to give a little background. So Rachel is an illustrator. Ely is a photographer. They both worked with AIJCast in the past. And I suggested that they get together to do a photo shoot. And Rachel started telling me she was going to do some illustrations on top of the photos. I thought, oh, that'll be cool. Kind of a multimedia. It'll be nice. I know Ely's work. I know Rachel's work. And then they unfolded this narrative story and going to Mount Arabia and this whole thing. And I got it back and I was like, this, what, how am I involved in this? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. Dom, I would love for you to talk about that modeling piece because that was something that you you had done in the past. You had not done for a while. And then so beginning to get reconnected to that. Tell me about how you got into modeling and what it was like to get back into it and what you're doing now. So I uh, was in my 20s when I first broke into modeling. My mother, um, God rest her soul, who I lost when I was 14 years old to breast mm. cancer, she was adopted. I never knew her mother or father. Mm. She just had this natural gift of beauty. So at a very young age, she became a model and lived in Okinawa. I traveled all over the world. So that's kind of what I knew her as. Uh, she still modeled into her 30s right before she died and had a retail shop and was very much into fashion. So that was kind of what was imprinted in my brain. So I actually, right out of high school, I joined the workforce. I did not go to college, couldn't afford college. Mm -hmm. So I joined the workforce working in offices as an administrative assistant type thing. And then I broke away from that for a while and thought I would try the modeling thing and got signed with Lejeune's agency, Atlanta Models and Talent, and did a few notable things, got a few um, movie offers to do some um, body double work mm. and a few commercials. And I really enjoyed it in my 20s and 30s. And then I decided it was time to go back to work because I needed a steady income. It was sure. kind of feast or famine, as a lot of people in this industry could understand. And then fast forward, here's my life with Michael. And um, like I said, we moved here and we're looking on the map. We found Ursula Weedman. I grew my hair out gray like two years ago. And I saw how the young girls on Instagram were dyeing their hair gray. And it looks really <laughs> beautiful. And I was like, I think it's okay to go gray now, even though right. I was 53 or 54 at the time when I decided to do it. I'm 56 now. So... I went into the agency and I said, I think I'd like to reinvent myself as a 50 plus model. What do you think? And they're like, thank goodness you walked in here. We Atlanta is growing in this industry and we have such a need for um, healthy, fit looking 50 plus year old female models. Mm. So I've done a couple of shoots and have auditioned a lot for a lot of commercials. And I did a shoot recently for a very large company it was very upscale, uh, paid me very well. It was very couture. I was couture head to toe. And it was very reminiscent of the old days where I'm, I mean, on this huge set, there must've been 30 to 40 people on the set. And they introduced me as I'm walking onto the set. And I got really nervous because hmm. I thought, this is like the biggest thing I've ever done. And I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. And then I had to keep telling myself as I'm walking onto the set, 
you're a child of God. You're a child of God. You're going to do this. You're going to crush it. And I crushed it. Wow. And um, they made me into sort of a May Musk lookalike. The hair was incredible. The updo they gave me. It was just magnificent. The last time I'd worn anything even close to couture was uh, I did a Bob Mackie fashion show wearing Cher's clothing. And oh. I wore like a 40-pound headpiece on my head. <laughs> walking down the runway it was very tricky what is it about modeling i not having been involved in that industry at all it feels like there's this kind of line that is walked between acknowledging beauty appreciating beauty and objectification right i struggle with that yeah so i'm 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 curious about what it is about you that you find empowering what is it a you know that struggle i would love to hear more of that internal conversation so when I did it when I was younger, I think I was trying to prove something. Hmm. And I think I was sort of mimicking my mom because her story is very tragic. Hmm. And a lot of the things that she did in her life were to prove that she was worthy of love because she was mm. born without a father and then her mother abandoned her. Wow. So I kind of felt that, you know, and that sort of created the framework for me. Hmm. So now the way I look at it is this is purely a way for me to try to make some really good money and to be smart about, from a marketing aspect, about utilizing my talents. And obviously, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of talent to be a model. It takes a lot of patience and a lot of muscle control because you have to hold poses for a very long Mm -hmm. time when you're doing photography, um, modeling. I'm just hoping that it will somehow segue into acting. And a lot of the modeling that I do is acting, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I enjoy that part of it, the expressive part of it and the challenge of it. And um, I'm taking some online acting classes. I have taken some acting from the Alliance. I did that back in the 90s or early 2000s. So, I mean, it would be nice to break into some acting roles at some point. I'm not taking it that seriously (laughs) because I feel like I just want to let God kind of dictate Hmm. what's going to happen for me. I will Hmm. try and I will do the best that I can do, but... I'm not going to break my neck trying to be a famous actress at this point in my life. Yeah. I also have a part-time job working for seniors uh, for a move management company, helping transition seniors out of their home into retirement communities. And I really, I love doing that. It just feels like I'm really giving back to the community. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the most important thing that I'm doing right now. Yeah. But the modeling is merely just it's a good way to make some extra cash. And if the acting thing happens, great. If not, great. Mike and I will continue to write great music together and be creative. That's Sorry. a beautiful segue. Thank you. Because I, I did want to pivot to talking about music, which is the way that another way that you and I connected, Dom, and then how, Mike, you got involved in the collaboration. Um, you guys have a number of music projects that you're working on together. I want to start talking about Sweet Soul Sister. So tell us about that band and that project, the origins and where it's going. So Sweet Soul Sister originated about six, seven years ago. And I had gone through a divorce a year or two prior. And my cousin, who was a drummer, approached me and said, hey, you should get back into singing. And he had known me in the past as a singer. And um So he tried to connect me with a pretty well-known artist in Atlanta singing backup, and it was going to happen. And then 
he's like, wait a minute, <laughs> you need to start your own band. Let's start a band. You need to be the front person. So a sweet soul sister was born. And um, we did a couple of gigs, minus the keyboard player, and then came a big festival that we were about to play. And the song, the genre of music that they requested at this festival um, warranted having a piano player. So I put an ad in Craigslist, seeking piano player, keyboard player, auditions open this day, this time, and in walks Mike. And I remember we were rehearsing a Nika Costa song. She's one of my favorite artists not many people know her and he walked in and he immediately started singing he he was familiar with her and we just all became fast friends mike mm. was kind of looking for a second family a second music family mm. and um it just happened uh the chemical reaction was instantaneous so he joined the band and... Well, yeah, then you and I f fell in love. That was unexpected. Dominique Britton and Mike Bielenberg on AIJCast. We'll be back to more of our conversation in just a moment, but first, a quick word. As always, we invite you to visit the AIJCast website, AIJCast.com, which is where you'll find links to our artists, their news, events, and products. Among the things you'll find there are links to Mike and Dom's music, including the band Sweet Soul Sister and Dom's EP, Lights On, Eyes Shut. We've also got links there to the collaborative project A Walk in the Wilderness and past AIJ conversations with illustrator Rachel Eleanor and photographer Ely. You can find links to all of these things and so much more on our website, AIJCast.com. And now, back to more of our conversation with Dominique Britton and Mike Bielenberg. We pick up that conversation speaking about their band, Sweet Soul Sister. When I joined the band, I, I think what I was looking for was, well, as you said, another family. Yeah. I had learned through doing a lot of music professionally that when getting compensated is your first priority when choosing a project, sometimes that can kind of wear you down in it. And it did for me with music, you know, for years and years and years, because I had kids to raise mm -hmm. and we all have to pay bills. Whenever I would take a music project, whether it was as a keyboard player, as a performer or a writer or a composer or producer, you know, I think like a lot of artists, you know, you, you look at the money and there's nothing wrong with that. It's sure. interesting. I don't think artists, they have to be careful when they talk about money. I think there's a perception that we do it just for the love of it. And that's not true. At least it's not true for me. There, there's nothing wrong with wanting to get paid for your art. Right. <laughs> yeah. This right. is one of the ways that artists are abused, I think, is that people say, well, we're giving you exposure. Great. Well, I'll go to my landlord and hand him a check written out to exposure. Will that work out for you? <laughs> right. It really is something else. Musicians have, well, artists have a lot of energy around this. You yeah. know this. Yeah. I spent almost 20 years of my life doing it full-time professionally. So yeah, I, you know, I had to learn that game. And so, right, when you pick a project, you think, okay, well, what's the money? Mm -hmm. Usually it was three things. It was, what's the money in this order? And the second thing was, how, what's the quality of the work gonna be like? Are the musicians involved, you know, people I respect mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. I, I wanna mm -hmm. emulate? Or, and then the third thing, last on the list was relationships. And I had, years before I met Dominique and we did Sweet Soul Sister, I had an experience where I kind of flipped that and I chose a band not because we were going to make any money and not because, you know, these were uh, musicians that I had worked with or, you know, were featured in magazines and stuff. It wasn't about that. I put the relationships first and it was a life changing thing. Mm. It was amazing. Interestingly, and this was unexpected, all the other parts of my music work got better mm. because I was drinking beer and singing lead and playing bass in a punk band every Tuesday night. 
you know, with my good close friends and just having fun and not really having an agenda, suddenly I became a better piano teacher. The music I was writing was becoming more uh, risky in a good way. I was having more fun on stage when I was playing weddings. Why do you think that was? Because I think the whole reason that I got back into into music in the beginning was reawakened. Hmm. You forget, right? You forget why you got into it. You become a machine. Right. Mm. Right. That adult stuff, you know, starts creeping in. But if you can get back to that place you were at when you were just a kid and you were getting into it, that's what happened. And that said, that reawakening just really came to fruition when when you joined the band Sweet Soul Sister, I was reawakened too because Mm. we went from doing cover music to um, Mike coming in as an incredible lyricist. Mm. Um, we started co-writing together, and so the original part of Sweet Soul Sister was then born. You say you can't get enough. You say I don't feel enough. In the track of love, there is justice. In this track of love, I feel justice. Truth is... So it was a reawakening for me as well as a musical artist. We proliferated for three years pretty steadily with music videos and songs and yeah. things are a little quiet right now because we've been transitioning living wise sure. and Mike got a new job recently and we're buying a new place so there's been some transitions. So Yeah, so yeah. I know you've got some stuff in the works for December I think? So Sweet Soul Sister, the, the, we released a single it was it early? It was early this year, mm-hmm. and the song is called Crayons, and we are shooting a video for it. We've actually shot a lot of the video, but we're doing the final piece of it. We're we're gonna shoot Dominique. I'm excited about this. We're gonna put you, you know, like a little green suit, and then in post we're gonna put a bunch of color on it. I'm super excited about it. This has been like <laughs> my little pet project. I have been driving the band crazy with this one. I just want to get back to writing. Mm, yeah. Green screens, green suits. Uh, you know, I just want to. It write. does seem like a, a, a perfect mix there for you, Dom, of the visual and the auditory. Again, yeah, God gave me, gave us all gifts. It is a good mix, and I, who knows? Um, maybe we'll make money off of this video. Who knows? Mike did a song 12 years ago or 10 years ago called Poopy Diaper with this ridiculous the song is hooky and over 150 people are using it on TikTok what so he just started getting all this money recently and we're like where is this coming from so we logged into TuneCore and then somehow we started googling Poopy Diaper and there was all these people on TikTok (laughs) just and YouTube it's like okay who would have thought right (laughs) But you were just having fun being creative and right. and I think that's what it's all about. You never yeah. know what's gonna happen. You just have to be true to your creative self and sure. the rest is in God's hands. And you Mike, know? you write what you know, right? I mean poopy diaper. Right. Go with what you know. <laughs> right. Parents of young children who are in that diaper phase, they need an anthem. They do. Right. They have right? needs. <laughs> they needed a song. I mean, we they used to rock a, back in the day, right? Too much pooping in the pants. Too much That's right. So, I mean, pants. here's your exposure. Right. You're going to get an exposure check in the mail for me. Uh, for <laughs> That's right. That's right. Y'all. Thanks for having Poopy Diaper on your show. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and I know another music project, and this is what we were talking about with the collaboration, was a solo project uh, for you, Dom, yeah. that I know was actually more of a duo project Yeah. in the background. I mean, it's your voice, but there's a lot of music going on, and Mike, you've been doing it. So let's talk a little bit about that EP and the work that went into that. In my mind, that project, I think that was the product of two things. One was this evolution that's been happening with technology where the music software itself is an instrument. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And you hear it. Mm -hmm. In the past, music software was just a means to an end. If you were recording an orchestra or if you were recording a rock band, the music software was like this necessary evil just to get it mixed and get it mastered. And just, you know, but the idea was to really not get in the way and to try to preserve the integrity of a bunch of musicians playing in a room. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome. That was the role that music software played in my life in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And that's just how I thought of it until I was writing code at a company in Buckhead. And I was, you know, when you're writing software, it's very solitary task. And so I had, you know, headphones on all day long and I'm coding. And um, I just started getting into artists like Xavier Dunn and Hone and just listening to them on stations. And I I think something kind of switched in me. Hmm where I I think the restless artist in me thought, man, I need to dig into this. I mean, I, there's so much, when you just sort of reshift your thinking about how you're gonna make a track and you think of the music software as an instrument. Right. It's just sky's the limit. And so there was a lot of inspiration there to work with. And then Dominique has the most beautiful, smoky, low voice. Yeah. So I'm biased, of course, she's my wife, but Thank you. And I thought, we're going to dig into this. And, you know, the band was a little pissed. We had to say, (laughs) hey, guys, we're going to take a year and do this. But I'm so glad we did. Yes. And the EP is entitled... Lights On, Eyes Eyes Shut. Shut. And what was that process for you like, Dom? It was exciting. And... I love playing in GarageBand and finding grooves. Mm -hmm. That's how, you know, everybody writes differently. The best way I know how to write is to feel a groove and feel this backbeat thing. And then from there, based on the emotion that I'm feeling, comes my subconscious thoughts (laughs) out uncontrollably. It's a stage, it's a ring, it's a big bedroom where the place we engage you reflect me, I reflect you. It's a stage, it's a ring, it's a big bedroom where the place we engage. You reflect me, I reflect you. Good. 
And a lot of what I, the way I write, is just in form of haiku. You know, it's a phrase here, a phrase、mm-hmm. there. Mike is more of a morning pages kind of guy, where he just sits down and spews、yeah. and writes nonstop. And by the way, Dominique is referencing the book *The Artist's Way* by Julie.、Gilmore. Yes.、Yep. You fill a page. Is that what it is? Three it's not pages. A t- three pages. It's not a time thing. So I will extrapolate from his morning pages things that speak to my life experiences,、mm. and sometimes we'll combine it with the haiku that I wrote, or sometimes we'll just edit down. The process was incredible because it was so raw, but it was so new because we're digging into this technology and this different way of making music. Right. And we wanted to challenge ourselves, and not gonna lie, I mean, there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears after we made the music of Mike sitting down in the basement by himself for six to eight to ten hours at a time in front of that screen, just engineering、yeah. and getting it right and pulling things in and. Yeah, the post. It's, it's post a lot of hard、insane. work.、Yeah. A lot of hard work. Dominique Britton and Mike Bielenberg on AIJCast. You can connect with them online through their band's Facebook page at facebook.com/sweetsoulsister. On our next episode, part two of our conversation with Dominique Britton and Mike Bielenberg. AIJCast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. We can only do what we do because of your support. So please do take just a moment and go to our website AIJCast.com and click on the link that says support. And we love to interact with you on social media. We are there on a number of platforms, where our handle is, of course, AIJCast. Our music comes from our house band Mard Fame, and we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the master of the dobro himself, Al Mudif, who has a very simple reason why, back in the '80s and '90s, he couldn't play for the LA Lakers. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And I'm your host, Martha Sanders, encouraging you to go, rather stay put, create some beauty of your own, and remember that the world isn't truly beautiful until it's beautiful for all. Justice. And peace.